You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Phil Scholl, and I'd like to continue with our reading of the Republic. I want to do uh, two books together, book five and book six, if I may. In the foundation myth at the end of uh, book three, the account of metals, uh, this was called a myth or a lie. The question is, was it a lie? In one sense, from the point of view of everyone, but those in an ordered polity, it is a lie. That is, it is contrary to their uh, desires. The intellectual guardians, however, see the limits of the members and thus measure their uh, area of expertise. And this idea goes back to the apology and the fact that the poet, craftsman, and the lawyer uh, did not know their own limits. Thus, in the city and speech, where things are in proper order, it will look like disorder uh, to everyone else who is not ordered in his own soul. This is part of the uh, of the principle that the just can know the unjust, but the unjust cannot know the just. Behind this is the further issue of whether we can uh, see what is not ourselves if we are not internally ordered uh, to something other than pleasure, glory, money, and so forth. Books 5 and 6 of the Republic, as we noted, look like they should not be in the book, but we were given hints that something was up. As I mentioned before, we had this uh, we had this scene inquiring about uh, the beginning of families in book four, I think it was. Um, then there was the hint of a longer route in which certain uh, delicate things could be discussed. A sign of the bravery of Glaucon, which the persistence uh, in which he implored Socrates to complete his arguments wherever, whatever the cost. Book 5, then, opens with Socrates calmly proceeding to discuss the decline of regimes as he finished Book 4. Uh, the five definitions of justice have been uh, articulated. Thrasymachus is subdued in argument. The reason Thrasymachus is silent Socrates calls him his friend, is that he has been argued into a logical hole in which he must admit and did admit that his arguments could not be defended. The importance of this view is that a philosopher's only defense against a politician is speech, that is, philosophy. This point is more clearly seen in the Gorgias, another dialogue of Plato. The young men sense, sense that Socrates 
is not covering all points. Quote, you thought we would uh, not notice that you, uh, what you said as though it was something uh, trivial. That, as regard, that what you said as regard to wives and children, uh, anyone could see the uh, possession uh, of friends uh, should be held in common. Uh, friends have all things in common. A phrase Aristotle also uh, uses in his treatise on friendship, if you recall. So in the earlier book that Socrates had said that uh, friends have all things in common, and that would include wives and children. Socrates is reluctant to talk of this topic, as he knows how dangerous it is, even scandalous. Quote in 450b, he says, You do not know what, you, what a swarm of arguments you have stored up, uh, stirred up by calling me to um, account now. I saw the swarm and passed the topic by in order to save us a lot of trouble, he said. And Thrasymachus now wants to hear these arguments also. Note the zeal with which Glaucon pursues uh, his love of uh, argument. And then we see in 450b, he says, quote, It is within reason, Socrates, uh, 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 it is within reason, Socrates, for people with any understanding to listen to an argument of this kind uh, their whole life long. A great compliment. So do not mind about us and do not get tired yourself. Rather, tell us at length what your thoughts are on the topic we inquired about, namely, uh, what the common possession of wives and children uh, will amount to uh, for the guardians and how the children <coughs> will be brought up while they are still small uh, for the time between birth and the uh, beginning of education. It seems to be the most difficult period of all, the end of the quote. Recall the passages at the beginning of the Phaedo, uh, where Socrates is um, talking about the uh, uh, handing over uh, the education of his own youth, his own children. The next section, he says, quote, I have the time and I will try to tell you the whole story. Um, uh, that's going to be 458b. I will try to tell you the whole story of the death of Socrates. Uh, this comes back to the uh, section in uh, the Apology on 58b. I will tell you that never, nothing gives me more pleasure than to, than to call Socrates to mind, whether talking about him myself or listening to someone else do so. Recall, too, also in the Apology, number 38a, it says, If I say that this is of the greatest good of man to discuss virtue every day and and uh, those other things about which you have me uh, uh, conversing and testing myself and others, for the unexamined life is not worth living. For men, uh, you will uh, believe me even uh, less. So the the uh, life of uh, unexamined life not figuring out what we are is is a, a, an unfortunate life.
the first part of Book 5 deals with the, the beginning and with family, or the lack thereof. In a sense, it is a very modern book on genetics, on daycare, destruction of the family, uh, and personal, even scientific breeding. You might read the books of Leon Cass uh, uh, on this topic. It is this aspect of Plato's communality of wives and children that Aristotle directly uh, confronts in Book One of the Politics. Aristotle seems to think Plato intended this form of life for his guardians to be his intention. The seventh letter would seem to agree that Plato, who was 40 when he wrote the seventh letter, therefore probably younger than when he wrote the Republic, did want the philosopher king. <clears throat> Leo Strauss, see his essay on Plato in the beginning of his History of Political Philosophy, seems to think that Socrates was speaking ironically. That is, he was showing where justice would end if we, if we carried it out <clears throat> into his logical conclusions in equality. Thus, Strauss thought that Plato used this as a warning not to try this system. I have argued in my essay on the Christian guardians in the politics of heaven and hell that Plato had a valid point, but the means that he took, the communality of wives, children, and property, was incorrect. Revelation provided another answer that kept the integrity of the family and its basic needs, namely the vows of poverty and chastity and obedience. The first part of the argument in Book 5 develops in three waves, as he says, 457b, waves like in the ocean. The argument is whether communality of wives, property, and children is a good idea, and if so, is it feasible? Socrates proposes that there is no natural difference between men and women, except he does acknowledge that women are physically weaker. But with regard to uh, virtue or intelligence, there is no difference, except the nat natural differences between those with brains and those without. Thus, the communality of wives and children is proposed only for the guardians and not for the other classes. And recall of the city built, being built in speech. Socrates uh, does not want anything to distract the guardians from their, from their philosophy or rule. Families do this, he, he thinks, and therefore get rid of them. What he proposes is a society of brothers and sisters in which there is no distinction of blood. <clears throat> Moreover, he is a genetic engineer, so that begetting is done uh, at the behest of the state, however cleverly disguised. He wants to produce, like racehorses or dogs, a more perfect breed of, of animal or of human being. And hence, the good soldiers and philosophers have more access to women than, than other ordinary people. And likewise, the preferred women guardians 
have more access uh, than their more uh, clownish type of sisters. There is something horrendous in this description that, as Aristotle will say, goes against everything in our nature. It horrendous in it is taken literally. On the other hand, we live in an age in which many of these proposals are almost taken literally. If, for instance, you know that deformed or unwanted babies are left to die in hospitals or aborted, as already implied in these passages in Plato. Moreover, we have a proposal for genetic improvement of babies by injecting chromosomes or genes so that the resulting baby is not really <coughs> that the child of the parents. And all of this is done in the name of improving the species. The three waves are that he says and we're going to talk about one is uh, to, to come at our conclusion. One is getting used to seeing men and women equal and mostly interchangeable in every way. And this is the subject of naked exercises in the Republic. This is rather amusing as Plato is very strict and thinks that we can be trained by virtue not to see anything unusual in common exercises. All is culture in that sense. Uh, there is no nature, so we don't need to worry about that, anything, or at least he implies. The second wave is the actual working out of the communality of wives and children. Everyone is to call everyone brother or sister, father or mother. There will be no mine and thine, so presumably no envy or greed. There seems to be no original sin, at least in the guardians. <clears throat> the third wave is now, is how is this all possible? How are we going to get this coming out? That's 472A and 473D. Um, this brings up the famous passage about philosophers and kings, uh, the two offices that Aristotle will separate uh, while not denying <laughs> that both have a function. There is a good deal of uh, marvel building here. Uh, that is, we are trying to see what the proper structure of the polis might be. Did we not say that we were uh, we were making a theoretical model of a good city? 472C. This model building is to be taken seriously. Plato constantly points out that in all of our experience, we keep running into less perfect forms of everything so that we search for their perfect form. Is it possible to do anything in practice the same as in theory? Or is it in the nature of practice to grasp truth less well than theory does? Even if some people, some people don't think so. That's 472E. The rest of Book 5 has to do with the character uh, of the knowledge of the philosopher king. Who are the philosophers who will rule? He says in 474c, quote, um, Do you not need to be reminded 
Or do you remember that if it's if it's rightly said that someone loves something, then he must not love one part of it and not another, but he must love all of it. The end of the quote. So he says, unless kings be philosophers and philosophers be kings, we can't put this uh, structure that we have that we've been building the speech into existence. And this is a great passage to remember. The philosopher is to love all of what is. Then will we not also say the philosopher does not desire one part of wisdom rather than another, but desires the whole thing. Philosophy seeks the knowledge of the whole. And he says in 475c, quote, but the one who readily and willingly tries to uh, tries all kinds of learning, who turns gladly uh, to learning, to theorane, and is uh, insatiable for it, is rightly called the philosopher, is he not? So the philosopher is one who willingly and readily uh, tries to learn all kinds of things. This is another great sentence. The phrase, who turns gladly, is significant. Uh, there are passages in all of Plato where turning or turning around indicates something, uh, someone awakening to what is. <clears throat> this brings Socrates to the relation of philosophy to the, to the forms, especially the good and the beautiful. The subtle shift uh, to beauty will carry us through the uh, course uh, in one way or another, even in the Symposium of Plato. But he says in 476c, he says, quote, but someone who believes uh, in the beautiful itself can see both it and the things that participate in it and does not believe that the participation, the participants are it or that it is itself the participants. Uh, if he does so, is he living in a dream or is he awake? The notion of participation in beauty or in good is a very important philosophical idea. Things are not being as such, but participate in it. That is, they do not cause their own being. Socrates next enters a discussion of knowledge, a great section. And then we will say, tell us, uh, does the person who knows, does he know something or nothing? Are you Glaucon? Answer for him. He knows something. Something that is or something that is not. Something that is. Or how could someone, uh, something that is not, be known? In the quote, that's 477a. Very great passage. Tell me, does a person who knows know something or nothing? Galkan says he knows something, something that is. Uh, and that something that is can be known, but not something that is not, he says. We must have something to know. Socrates talks of an uh, uh, intermediate between uh, to be and not to be. 477a. Ignorance is said to be of what is not. 
what is intermediate will uh, be things that are not the perfect form. Opinion will correspond to these. Generally speaking, opinion means that there is more argument for one side of a proposition than the other, but that is not yet, uh, we have not yet reached certitude. And he says in 478a, he says, quote, knowledge is set over what is, to know it as it is. So knowledge seeks to know what is as it is. Here's a quote. And see what Socrates says about the beautiful at 479a. At 479e, he says, quote, As for those who study the many beautiful things, but do not see the beautiful itself, and are incapable of following another who leads them to it, who see many just things, but not just the just itself, and so with everything, these people, we shall say, opine everything, that is, say they have an opinion about everything, but have no knowledge of anything, they opine. They have, they don't quite understand what the whole thing is about. The basic Platonic definition of truth is to say of what is, that it is, and of what is not, that it is not. Remember, truth is in the intellect, recalling Schumacher or St. Thomas. It is an adequatio mentis at ray, a conformity of the mind to what is. Next, we'll go to book six. This book again brings up the question of the poor opinion of the philosopher in any existing city. The burden of this book is the origin of the knowledge of the, of, uh, the philosopher. Where did he get his knowledge? Obviously, he could not be properly educated in any existing city because the education in existing cities is not adequate. When we call what we read about the poets in book three, that is to say, the education was to read the poets and the poets produced a disorder of soul. And he says in 484b, he says, quote, since those who are able to grasp what is always the same uh, in all respects, are philosophers. While those, because you always grasp the same that you are upon, but, but while those who are not able to do so and who wonder among many things that vary in every sort of way are not philosophers, which, is, which of the two would be leaders of the city? In the quote. No, well, that I do not know why the last defense number of book five is 488, and the first of book six is 484a. The Stephanus numbers, the number is that, the 488 BC, the page of the German edition that tells us where we are. There may have been uh, material in certain texts that was later considered to be non-Platonic. Again, Note that Socrates uh, speaks of those who have no true model in their souls, and so they cannot, in the manner of uh, uh, painters, look to what is most true, make constant reference to it, and study it as exactly as possible. 
hence they cannot establish here on earth um, uh, conventions about what is fine or just or good when they need to be established or guard and preserve them once they have been established for 85C and D. This is the basic argument for philosophical culture. It is necessary to understand the nature of, uh, of the philosopher first for 85A. Uh, let us agree philosopher philosophic natures I always love the sort of learning that makes clear uh, to them some feature of the being that always is and does not wander around between uh, uh, coming to be and uh, and uh, decaying. Notice the zeal with which Socrates pursues the notion that erotic love of truth is the great uh, uh, in this great book. What we love, we uh, pursue. So we pursue philosophy after the manner of an erotic love, he said, if we love it. We cannot be lovers of wisdom and falsehood, he says at 485 AD. Then someone who loves learning must, above all, strive for every kind of truth from childhood on. Notice how Socrates purifies pleasure or better refines pleasures or better refines them by pointing out the differing kinds. When someone's desires flow towards learning and everything of this sort, he'd be uh, uh, concerned, I suppose, with the pleasures of the soul itself by itself. And he'd be... Um, uh, and he'd abandon those pleasures that come through the body if uh, judged he is a true philosopher and not merely a um, counterfeit one. Such a person uh, would have the other virtues um, um, like justice and temperance and so forth. The title of uh, one of my books is called On the Unseriousness of Human Affairs. And this idea is mostly taken from the laws of Plato, but there are hints of this idea all over, among other places here. So he says, quote, he says, pettiness is altogether incompatible with a soul that is always reaching out to grasp everything, both divine and human as a whole. And will a thinker uh, high-minded, uh, well, a thinker high-minded enough to study all time and all being, consider human life to be something uh, uh, important. Uh, and the answer uh, from Gaokong is he could not possibly do so. That's 486a. So therefore there are more important things and to be caught in things of less importance is to miss out on what philosophy and what truth is all about. And that's really what the Republic is about. <clears throat> by human life, uh, by human life properly, we mean the life of ethics and politics in the world. Things divine are what we search for also. Socrates does not necessarily think that politics are nothing, 
but he does think that, that they are not the highest thing about which uh, his whole work is written. Quote, 486b, he said, quote, the soul of a philosopher should also be just and gentle from youth. The notion of a measure is very important. What is it the measure uh, that measures the mind? The answer is what is. That is, the mind does not create being, but finds it and knows it as not of its own uh, making. And he says in 486e, he says, And do you think uh, that truth is akin to what lacks due measure or to what is measured? To what is measured? Then, in addition to these other things, let's look for uh, someone whose thought is by nature measured and graceful and is easy and easily led to the forms of each thing that is. Socrates describes the life of a philosopher this way in 47a. Is there any objection you can find then uh, to a way of life uh, that no one can uh, adequately follow unless he's by nature good and remembering, quick to learn, high-minded, graceful, and a friend and relative of truth, justice, courage, and moderation. So those are the things the philosopher ought to be. Socrates speaks of memory often here. Now comes the worry that people who are brought up like Socrates uh, wants, uh, well, he wants to, are rather uh, odd. So the idea that philosophers are odd. Edimantas is talking. Uh, they have been discussing the, the question uh, and answer method of Socrates, uh, which uh, not everyone can follow. And he says in 47 C and D, he says, for someone, quote, someone might well say um, now that he is unable to oppose you as you ask each of your questions, recalled Thrasymachus. Yet he sees that of all of these, of all of those who take up philosophy, are not those who merely dabble in it um, uh, while still young in order to uh, complete their upbringing and then uh, drop it, drop it. College education, for example, you take a few courses and that's all you ever know. Uh, but those who continue in, in it for their longer time the greatest number, however, uh, become cranks, uh, not to say completely, uh, completely vicious, while those who seem completely decent are, are rendered useless to the city because of their studies uh, that you recommend in the quote. So philosophy either is uh, inhabited by nuts or uh, people are too busy with it to do anything else. So no one puts the case against philosophy better than Plato. Recall the Thracian maidens who laugh at the philosopher who cannot uh, tie his shoes to tie his own shoestring. Philosophers are cranks and uh, useless is the common view. 
Now, Plato's answer to this is the story of the ship captain and the drunken sailors in Book 6. And this is parallel to the foundation myth or the Scythian speech uh, wherein uh, we need a captain or a philosopher who knows the whole. That is, uh, the ship, uh, who knows what the ship is about and how it's run. Uh, the parts, uh, when they are when they try to run the ship, the sailors, run it ground. So philosophy is useful to the city because it knows where the ship is going. While the ones responsible for the uh, parts must do their own uh, task, but limited by the reason of the captain. Then Socrates warns us that the greatest virtues stem from those um, uh, who uh, can commit the greatest crimes stem from those who can uh, commit the worst crimes. Oh, that is to say, the one who has the greatest intelligence or virtue is the same one who can commit the uh, greatest crime. He says in 491c, quote, uh, those with the best natures become outstandingly bad uh, when they receive a bad upbringing. Or do you think uh, that great injustice and pure wickedness uh, originate in an orderly nature <clears throat> rather than in a vigorous one uh, that has been corrupted by its upbringing? Or that a weak nature is ever the cause of either great good or great evil, the end of the quote. This is a memorable passage. Great crimes come from great uh, potential uh, virtue going wrong. This is why the education of the guardians is so important. <clears throat> Plato has three other dialogues, the sophist, the uh, statesman, and the philosopher, the latter never written. The sophists come up in uh, this section of Book 6, quote, 492a. Or do you agree with the general opinion that certain young people are actually corrupted by sophists? Uh, and the sophist is a man who teaches uh, whatever he wants to hear for a price. He doesn't care what the truth is one way or the other. And uh, there are certain sophists with significant influence on the young who corrupt them uh, through private teaching, the end of the quote. There are those who think modern education is run by sophists, those who really do not believe uh, what they hold or hold a theory that no truth is possible. Underline from now on, every time you see the word sophist in reading Plato, see, for example, 492d. Plato returns to the idea uh, that the majority are really, are really a major problem because of lack of virtue. And he says in 493e, can the majority in any way tolerate or accept the reality of the beautiful itself as opposed to many beautiful things? or the reality of each thing itself, as opposed to the corresponding many. The end of the quote. Philosophers are rare in any city. Then he says in the uh, next passage, uh, which is at uh, uh, 
498 uh, A and B says, uh, then there remains, Edimanta, only a very small group who can sort with philosophy in uh, a way that's worthy of her. A noble and well-brought-up character, for example, kept down by exile, who remains with philosophy according to his nature, uh, because there is no one to corrupt him, or a great um, soul living in a small city uh, who <clears throat> disdains the city's affairs and uh, looks beyond them. A very few might uh, be drawn to philosophy uh, from other uh, crafts that they rightly despise uh, because they have a good uh, because they have a good na- because they have good natures. So some people in bad cities can learn, and some people who uh, have good uh, uh, good natures can learn. And he continues, and some might be held back by the bridle of restraint of our friend Theology, for he is the very in the very way qualified to be tempted away from philosophy, but his physical illness uh, restrains him. Uh, by keeping him out of politics. Theology is, uh, is a, uh, uh, another dialogue of Plato, and theology is sick, and therefore he can't do what he wants to do, and therefore he is prevented from being a bad man. And finally, my own case is hardly worth mentioning. Uh, my demonic sign, remember Socrates has this voice or this sign that guides him, and he says, this is because it has happened uh, to no one before me, uh, or to uh, only very few. And now the members of this small group have tasted how sweet and blissful a possession philosophy is. And at the same time, they have also seen the madness of the majority and realized, in a word, <clears throat> that hardly anyone acts sanely in public affairs, and that there is no ally uh, with whom they might um, go and aid justice and survive, that instead they would perish before they could uh, profit either their city or their friends. So that's 496b. The above passage is remarkable. There will be a sort of dialogue the theology, as I mentioned. Uh, so, remember this passage. Uh, notice uh, that he says that a craftsman might be drawn to philosophy to recall Anitos, one of his prosecutors, who was a craftsman. His own sign in the Apollo, from the Apology, they say the voice. Uh, Socrates did not think <coughs> he could survive in public life, so he led a private life. The origins of uh, the philosophic life are here. In 497d, he said, quote, How a city can uh, engage in philosophy without being destroyed, uh, for all great things are prone to fall, and, as the saying goes, fine things are really hard to achieve, end of quote. Again, the theme of the unseriousness 
and of a difficulty of being bourgeois. And then 500b says, quote, no one whose thoughts are truly directed towards the things that are, Adimantos, has the leisure to look down at human affairs or to be filled with envy or hatred by competing with the people, the end of the quote. Again, the loftiness of the philosopher, the insignificance of human affairs. The philosopher is a threat to the city, 500C. And how does the city of Socrates come into being, 503A? He says, in 503C, he says, the virtues that are needed for philosophy are rare. In the quote, Socrates talked of the education and stages of education, which come up again in Book 7, as it does in Book 3. Looking for the guardians, they watch the youth, and they take, um, they take them to battle, and they are tested. Socrates again speaks of the longer road that we, uh, that we took, uh, that we took a look at in Book 5. And this is in 38D. Another in 504B says, We said, I believe, that in order to get the finest possible view of these matters, we would need to take a longer road that would make them plain to everyone who looked at it. So that's 504B and 435D. Again, the theme of measure, uh, 486, uh, 504D, 486D. Again, the measure, quote, any measure of such things that falls short in any way of that which is not good measure uh, uh, for nothing incomplete is measured of anything. So the measure has to be uh, the standard by which we decide what it is. The longest road has uh, brought us to the topic of, uh, not of justice, but of the good. Socrates, so that's why this book is more of the good than it is of justice. Socrates talks of the form of the good. He insists he does not know what it is, but the good is that in which all things are. This is why a thing can uh, uh, seem to be just or temperate without being right, because goodness takes into consideration the particular thing in its completeness, 505a. This brings us to the polemic uh, we have seen in Book 1 of the ethic about whether pleasure is good or uh, is it, whether it is happiness. Nobody is satisfied to acquire things that are merely believed to be good, however, uh, but everyone wants the things that really are good and uh, uh, disdains <coughs> mere belief here. That, too, is a great uh, sentence, 505D. What we want is the real good. Every soul uh, uh, pursues the good and does whatever it does for its sake. It divines that the 
good is something, but it is perplexed and cannot adequately grasp what it is. 505e. And he meant us, insists Socrates, tell him, tell him on what is the good in 506b. Quote 506c. Have you considered how lavish the maker of our senses was in making this power to see and to be seen? In the quote. A great sentence. How remarkable it is to be able to see and be seen. And he says in 508 E, he says, quote, so that what gives truth to the things things known and the power to know is the form of the good. And though it is the cause of knowledge and truth, it is also an object of knowledge. Both knowledge and truth are beautiful things, but the good is other and more beautiful than they are. That's 508e. Uh, this is a great metaphysical reflection in 509c. Quote, Not only do the objects of knowledge owe their being known to the good, but their being is also due to it. Although the good is not being, but superior to it in the rank and power, the end of the quote. This is a passage which St. Thomas will think back through and say that the good and the true and being are in fact identical in God. This passage will have great influence on what is known as Platonism later on, as I say. Next follows the divided line, which explains the different kinds of knowledge at the end of the book six. The uh, the kind of the status of the philosopher, the politician, the, and then also take a look at that carefully. So the divided line and the dialectic. So the dialectic is the gradual pursuit of, uh, of knowledge so that we arrive at the forms of things. And how does the philosopher acquire his knowledge outside the city? The status of our knowledge of uh, sensible things, political things, and the forms. So basically, uh, since the philosopher cannot uh, acquire an education to get real, the real truth of the city because the city's educational system is corrupted, the only way he can get uh, to the truth is by a philosophical system uh, of dialectic which stands outside the city as such. And this ends our discussion of Book 6. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.